So um, thanks, Kevin, for that wonderful introduction. I, um, uh, so we've been pleasantly surprised to uh, everybody that we've talked to. So we've been doing a lot of um, like required things like getting our driver's license and our tags and uh, all the really fun, enjoyable things that you have to do uh, when you move. And we've been, everyone has been so friendly towards us and kind. And so our neighbors have brought us food and toys and I don't, is that typical? I don't know. It's been a really, uh, it's been a really wonderful thing. So everybody that we talked to were like, it's actually nice up here. The people are, have been really enjoyable. So uh, we're, we're going to continue that theme uh, hopefully for our time that we're here. But we're excited to be here. Uh, originally from, or just moved from Nashville, originally just uh, north of Atlanta. Uh, moved here with Katie and our daughter Claire. She's six years old. And so you'll probably get to know her as she uh, hasn't met a stranger and uh, really just kind of endures herself to you pretty automatically. Uh, and then Katie, uh, we're expecting end of April. Don't you love how the husband always says we're expecting as if we're doing work for that? But uh, end of April, a uh, little boy, Judson Monroe Owen. So he'll be here uh, end of April, so we'll have a baby. So uh, moving, planting in church, and having a baby. We just figured we would all wrap them all up together uh, so that our stress level would be at max. Uh, as, as for the next uh, year or so. And so if we look a little frazzled come, you know, 1st of May, you'll understand why our life is a, a little bit of chaotic. And so uh, we are excited to be here. We're excited to um, start doing life alongside of you. We're excited to minister alongside of you um, and, and do the work that God has called us to uh, in that. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start us out in prayer. If, you'll, if you're going along with the 21 days of prayer, uh, the, the kind of, there's a theme for every day. So if you've been looking on the app or if you look inside of your worship, uh, your river guide, there's a theme for every day that we have as we're looking at prayer. And so the theme for today is connection groups. Kevin was just talking about that. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God would bring clarity and discernment to his word this morning. But I also want to pray for connection groups. And so if you're not in a connection group, don't know what that is, uh, I'm just going to pray that the Lord would press upon you that you, would, that you would get into one, uh, that he would in some ways make you kind of miserable until you have some community around you who can love you well, and he would pursue you that way. And so let me pray, and then we'll dive in. God, we love you. Thank you. Um, thank you that you create a community of, of believers, that you create a community of kind of sojourners, of aliens in this world, God. And so I pray that you would, um, this morning, that you would speak to us clearly uh, through your word, God, that you would give us um, insight and discernment that maybe we didn't have before. God, that as we um, spend these 21 days focusing uh, on prayer and focusing on, on how you're, you've taught us to pray, um, that that would be something that would transform us, that it would transform us as individuals, that it would transform us um, as a church, that we would become a praying people. And God, that we'd be passionate about communicating with you, that we would see the the benefits of that, that we begin to reap the benefits of sowing prayer um, in, in your name. God, so we want to pray for our connection groups this morning. Uh, we, we know that real community should happen inside the body of, of believers. God, and so for those that are in a group here, God, I pray that you would continue to help them to press into that, to do the hard work uh, of leaving their house, um, that those who are hosting would do the hard work of of cleaning their house and, and putting on pants and doing all the things you got to do that you just don't want to do, um, God, and so that you would continue to help them uh, as they would do that work. Uh, God, for the ones who are here that, are, that aren't in a group, uh, would you press upon them, God, that they need that community, that they need this sense of, of love and affection that should come through God's people. 
God, as we study the word together, as we share a meal together, as we share stories. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. We've been doing the, the Lord's Prayer, and so if you have your Bible, uh, go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be, uh, is where we're going to be at. You know, anytime I'm in a new city, uh, so whether I'm traveling or especially now that we're uh, here in Boston, uh, I have one thing that becomes my best friend. And this is, I've, I've found this especially to be true uh, in the city of Boston, and it's this thing called Google Maps. Now, um, Google Maps is, is a really, like, if, if you're traveling and you're in a location that you're unfamiliar with, is, is a real gift, right? I mean, you just put in the address and, and you just go, right? So if someone's trying to tell me how to get somewhere, all I say to them is, hey, don't give me all the turns and the stores and the signs. Just tell me where I'm going. I'll put it in Google, and she will provide uh, the means to get to the end, right? She will give me uh, the directions to get there. W- one of the things that you used to do, so before Google Maps, were around, you had what? You had paper maps that you would, you would kind of fold out, right? I, I remember that. You, we'd fold them out, and we would kind of chart our course and try and figure out uh, where we're going. And then as we progressed as a society, right, it, we, we, then we had MapQuest, and so you'd have to go find a computer somewhere. So if you, if you are lucky enough to have one, you have one, right? Or you go to the library, wherever you got to go, and you, you type in uh, your address, where you're going from, and then you type in your closing kind of end destination that you put in, and then what does it do? prints you out a little sheet of paper, and it says, this is how many miles, this is how long it will take you, uh, and so you're driving around again, and you're kind of following uh, the directions that MapQuest is providing for you. One of the things I love about Google Maps, and, and this is going to be important as we think about the Lord's Prayer this morning, one of the things that Google Maps does that, that no, no other system did, so no other mapping system, no other um, MapQuest kind of paper system did, one of the things that it does, it does what? If you get off course, which you do in Boston, right? The, the roads are crazy. Make no sense. If you get off course, you know what it does? It realigns you to where you're to go, right? It, it kind of, so if, I'm, if I take the, the wrong street, right? So I take a left, I should have went straight, but the directions are wacko, right? So if, I'm, if I get in the wrong space, I just have to wait a second. I'm like, okay, load, load, load. Okay, there, oh, missed that right, right? Okay, maybe I'll get the next right, right? So it realigns to the correct direction. Well, here's what I think the Lord's Prayer does for us. So if you're unfamiliar with the Lord's Prayer, uh, this is a prayer, so it's in uh, Matthew. So Matthew 5 through 7, uh, we call the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus has gathered uh, some, some followers, some people are hearing about the work that he's doing, and he's gathered them and said to them all these kind of various things about the kingdom of God. And the Lord's Prayer is, this is how you are to pray. So he's continually instructing um, his followers and his disciples on how to pray. Here's what I think the Lord's Prayer does for us as believers. Here's what it does for us, or what I've at least found it to, to do for me. The Lord's Prayer, when I read it and look at it and seek to follow it, it realigns me. It realigns me with what the Lord has called me to do. It reorients me in the direction that the Lord has called me to. This is what it does, right? I mean, we're prone towards self-preservation. We're prone towards um, uh, self-protection. Kind of uh, all of these types of things are what we are prone to, right? So you're prone to taking care of yourself. This is, what we're, this is our default position. We're prone to thinking about our safety and our comfort, right? And our, our, how are we going to provide for us? Well, the Lord's prayer challenges that. 
the Lord's Prayer challenges your desire to make you the master of your life. It does that. So, so if you have your Bible, let's, let's look. So we, we kind of see it here. So in Matthew chapter 6, um, it, it, starts at, uh, it starts at verse 9. So Matthew 6, 9. I'm not going to go through all of it. Josh has covered a lot of that in the last two weeks. Um, but if you'll notice what he does is so um, he starts this out with this kind of our Father in heaven, how be in your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we see these first three petitions. These first three petitions are all about God. They're all about worship. They're all about his glory. And then the next three petitions that we see are about what? They're about us. If you go back and look at the Ten Commandments, what are the first four Ten Commandments about? They're about God. They're about his glory. They're about his worship, right? And the last six, right, four, yeah, six, the last six are about what? They're about us. They're about what's for our good. What's for our good? You see a pattern here? Let me give you just a really kind of just simple statement this morning that you can take with you as you think about prayer um, and as you think about as you think about life. This is just so simple: God first, man second. Right? I mean, you you write that. You don't even have to write that down. All those words you can spell. Right? That's easy for me. Like I, I there's no like I got it. God first, man second. It is the theme and the narrative of Scripture, and we see it in the Lord's Prayer. We see this in the Lord's Prayer. And so let's look at our, our specific, uh, let's, let's look at our specific one um, this morning. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this or I'll, we'll be here all morning. All right, so here we go. This is what it says. So last week, uh, Josh covered verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of, uh, or give us this day our daily bread. So he talked about that last week. Look at verse 12. Here, here's where we are. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, what does that word debt mean? That, that word debt is really spiritual debt. It's really sin. I love this definition of sin, because debt is something that I get. Like, I understand that. So if I, if I go to my guy and I say, hey, give me $100, uh, I'll give it back to you uh, in a week. I promise I'll give it back to you in a week, right? So he, he gives me $100, right? And, and so now I'm what to him? I'm what? I'm in debt. I'm in debt to him. And so say I take that $100, I'm like, whew, I got $100, right? And so now uh, I, I know I got to pay him back at the, the next week, but I take that $100, I, I'm just kind of reckless with it. I don't, I don't really do anything uh, good with it. There's, there's no kind of, you know, short-time investment that I'm doing with it. And I get to a week later, and he goes, hey, man, I love our friendship, but I'm going to need that money back, right? That's why you never borrow money from your friends. And so and I said to him, I don't have that. Like, I, I know I'm in debt to you, but, but I, I don't have a means to pay you back. Well, that's what spiritual sin is. Spiritual debt, the, the easy definition for that is that we don't have the means to satisfy the, the, the payment that God declares for us. So we need, someone, we need someone to pay that for us, right? This was Jesus. This is the work that he did on our behalf. And so he, so the prayer, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive the, our debtors. Now, this is what I think about this statement. I think this is one of the most difficult and important prayers and statements in all of Scripture. This idea that God's people should be a forgiving people, I think is one of the hardest and most important things that we can do. 
I just think it is. I think it's super difficult. A, a, couple, of, um, a couple of statements here uh, that I love. So um, St. Augustine said this. Uh, he, he called this statement the terrible petition. He called it the terrible petition. And, and this is why. So if you look at that verse again, um, he says in verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So St. Augustine said, this is a terrible petition. Because what you're saying to God is, forgive me as I'm forgiving others. That's a pretty scary thing to pray. I mean, that, that kind of puts us against the wall. It says, God, forgive me as I forgive others. It's a, a, a terrible thing. Um, uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, says this, uh, unless you have forgiven others, listen, this is scary. He says, unless you have forgiven others, you read your own death warrant when you repeat the Lord's Prayer. Your own death warrant when you repeat the, words, the Lord's Prayer. C.S. Lewis um, said this. He said, no part of his teaching is clearer. And there are no exceptions to this. He doesn't say that we're to forgive others, uh, other people's sins, provided they are not too frightful, or provided that they're extenuating circumstances, or anything of that sort. We are to forgive them all. However spiteful, so listen to this. However spiteful, however mean, however often they are repeated, if we don't, we shall be, we shall be forgiven none of our own. So, so we think about this, and we're going to flesh that out, right? But as we think about this idea of forgive our debt as we forgive our debtors, some of our, our kind of early church fathers, pastors, and theologians say, man, this is a terrible petition. This is a scary thing to pray. This is something you should be sure of as you pray. Sure of as you pray. Josh talked about the, the danger of something just becoming uh, repetitive and something becoming uh, just kind of normal life for us. This is why we shouldn't allow the Lord's Prayer to do that. Because it's a dangerous prayer. It's a scary prayer. It's one given to us by God, but it comes with something it comes with something underneath it. And so as we think about this, so I'm kind of reading these quotes from these guys, and I'm like, okay, did Jesus really mean that, that if I don't forgive, right, that, that others, that, that Jesus won't forgive, like God won't forgive me? So if I don't do this, does that totally negate my conversion, my salvation experience? You know, if I've, if I've done that, is, is this what Jesus said? I, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think what he's talking about here is confession, I think he's talking about confession and, and the role that confession plays in the life of the believer. Um, this, is, this is what John said in 1 John 1.9. 1 John 1.9. You can just write that down. You don't have to go there. 1 John 1.9. He says, if we confess our sins. So he's writing to believers. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we look at this, this idea of um, forgive our uh, God forgive our debt as we forgive those uh, who've debt against us. I don't think he's talking about um, our justification, right? I don't think he's talking about how, we, um, how we're viewed in, in God's sight. Like, I think we're, we're firmly, if we confess Christ as Lord, our salvation is sealed, right? It's sealed. We, we have salvation. I think what he's talking about here is confession, that we should be the type of people that have a life of confession before God. And so when we, when we mess up, when we do something wrong, we, we, we confess that to God. We tell God that, that we're sorry. We know that we're, we know long-term that we're forgiven, right? The beauty of the gospel is that past, present, and future, our sins are forgiven, right? God doesn't run out of, like, the cross doesn't run out of room for your sin. 
He, he has made a means to cover even your future sin. It's a beauty, beautiful thing. But it is talking about, it is talking about um, confession in, in how we're to, to do that. And so, so how, does Jesus, um, how does Jesus view, so we see this in the prayer, but how does Jesus view forgiveness in the life of a believer? Uh, go to Matthew chapter 18. So turn uh, a few pages to your right to Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 32. Matthew 18, 32. One of the things that, um, that I love about Jesus is he, uh, he always used stories to kind of get a, a gospel truth across to his disciples, right? So his disciples are very similar to me, right? I, I kind of need him to put it in a creative way for me to really grasp. Like I need a story connected with a gospel truth so that I walk away with that remembering that gospel truth. Are you, are you like that? I mean, he, that's just kind of, he knows the, the way that we're created and wired. And so he, he's telling stories. Now we call these stories parables. So all throughout the Bible, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, and John, we see parables. We see Jesus telling stories. And so he tells this one story that's directly related to, um, directly related to this idea of uh, us as believers extending forgiveness to those that we're in close proximity to, and also how God has forgiven us for our current sins. So Matthew 18, um, starting in verse uh, 32, uh, he's telling this story. And this is what he says, Therefore... The kingdom of heaven. Now, anytime that you're, Jesus is telling a story and he says the kingdom of heaven, you know what we should do? Pay real close attention. Because he's saying this is what heaven looks like. This is, how, this is how we operate as God's people. This is how the church operates. So he says the kingdom of heaven looks like this. So this is where we focus in. We pay attention. So he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Verse 24. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. This is millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in a payment to be made. So this is a pretty harsh punishment right here. Verse 25. And since, uh, or uh, moving on, verse 26. So the servant, here's the servant's response. The servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. Verse 27. So this is what the king does. And out of pity for him, out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. So the master said, uh, the master said hey, you're forgiven of this debt, this million dollar debt that uh, you have against me, that, that you owe me, I'm going to forgive you. So Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven looks like this. A master came, asked for a debt, a million dollar payment back. The guy said, I can't do it. The master, out of pity, uh, lets him go. Now look what he does in response to the freedom that he was just given. Look what the servant does. Verse 28. But, right, so there's a conjunction there, right? So anytime we see a conjunction in scripture, uh, it's either a good thing or a bad thing, right? So uh, like this statement, uh, um, we were dead in our sins and trespasses, uh, you know, walking our own way, but God stepped in, right? That's where we want to see that conjunction. We want to see that but. Like, that's like, yes, give me some more of that, right? We, we like that. When it gets bad is when it's like, um, uh, God's called you to be kind and generous towards others, but you did this. That's where we're like, oh, that's not the one we want. It's not. This is a bad, this is a bad conjunction but right here. All right, so this is what he says. Verse 26, or verse 28. But when the, when the same servant went out, 
he found uh, one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. So this is a few thousand dollars. And seizing him, listen to this. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Pay what you owe. So think about that response and think about that response in relation to you. Maybe you're here this morning and Christ has forgiven you of your sin, right? He said that the penalty that was due because of your sin, because of Christ's death and resurrection on your behalf, is over with. That's what he said to us as God's people. That's what we've received. Maybe you've received that from God, but you refuse to forgive someone who's hurt you. You've went out and choked them. You've went out and, and said, give me this thing. Now, we're going to talk here in a second about why I think we, we struggle with forgiveness. And I also, we're going to look at briefly why it's, in, uh, why it's important um, to really embrace this truth, this kind of gospel truth. But maybe all you need to hear this morning, maybe all you need to hear this morning is that God has forgiven you. And through the forgiveness that you've received through the gospel, you are to extend that forgiveness to others around you. Your spouse, your coworker, your neighbor, your classmate, your teammate, your children. These are the, the things that we are to do as God's people. And so he says he went out and began to choke him. Verse 31, verse 31 of Matthew 18. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. Can I say this to you? Not, not only, so if you proclaim to, to follow Christ, and you proclaim to be a Christian, can I say to you that your neighbors and people in close proximity to you, like if you have an unforgiving spirit, if you have an unkind spirit, if you have an ungenerous spirit, can I say to you they see that? And then let me amplify that a little bit for you. Not only do they see that, you know who else sees that? God. God knows you better than anyone else. God understands your sin debt to him better than anyone else. And so it says the servant saw this, they saw this, and what did they do? Uh, they were greatly distressed, and they went out and reported to their master all that had taken place. Verse 32, then the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, you wicked servant. Those are strong words. We're going to see Jesus give even stronger words here in a second. Um, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and uh, should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I've had mercy on you? There's a statement. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant because I've had mercy on you? We've received mercy as God's people. Why we should be the freest people in the world. We've received his mercy. And so he said, I've given you uh, mercy because you pleaded. Look at verse 34. 34. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Verse 35. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Not forgive your brother from your heart. So Jesus just said, if you don't even forgive him from your heart, there are serious consequences to this. Now, why did Jesus tell this parable? It was in response where Peter goes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Like, should I forgive seven times, 77 times? Like, and, and Jesus goes in this parable and says, that forgive so that's the narrative of what we're to do and so why do we um why do we struggle with this here here's a couple of thoughts here um 
and then we'll, we'll be done. So why do, we, why do we, why do you, why do I, why do we withhold forgiveness from those who are close to us and around us? You base, you base your forgiveness on their worth. You base whether you're going to forgive someone is based on their worth. So I, I did a lot of premarital counseling in Nashville, and so here's what I would, here's what I would tell um, uh, it, not that you could tell newlyweds anything but are, are about to soon to be newlyweds but this is what I would say to them because we would get to this, this idea of forgiveness and I would say to them um, you cannot extend forgiveness to your spouse based on how kind she is towards you. you you cannot extend forgiveness towards your spouse based on how hard he works for your family you, you cannot so all of us you can't extend forgiveness to someone based on their worth. Do you know why we can't do that? Because you'll always find a reason not to forgive them. Won't you? I will. Well, I was going to forgive them, but, you know, he kind of said a harsh word to me. So I, I, I was going to forgive them, but, but I, I gave an opportunity to, to, to you know, for them to apologize, and they didn't do it. Right? I was, I was going to come in, I was going to forgive, but then this happened. See, if you base your forgiveness on the worth of someone else, you'll always find a reason not to forgive them. You just will. C.S. Lewis, uh, I love this quote, um, he, he said this. He is a master with words. He says, in our own case, so think about this. In our own case, we accept the excuses too easily. So he says, in our case, we accept excuses too easily. So if we mess up and wrong someone, we'll come up with an excuse that works. He says, in other people's, we do not accept them easily enough. As regards my own sins, it is a safe bet, although not certain, certainly, that the excuses are not really as good as I think they are. And then he goes, he goes on, as regards to other men's sins against me, it is a safe bet, though not a certainty, that the excuses are better than I think. You know who's the number one person that you can't trust to, uh, to make the right decision, um, primarily based on, on their own intuition on whether they should forgive it, uh, it send forgiveness to someone? It's yourself. It's why community is important and connection groups. Are important. It's why we, we, God's called us to live in community with other people. And so we can't base our whether we're going to extend forgiveness to someone based on their worth alone. Because we'll, we'll find a way around it. Second thing, second reason, so that's first reason, second reason, uh, you don't understand your forgiveness, you don't understand the forgiveness that you've received from God. Because if you understood, if you fully understood, like if I fully grasped the, the forgiveness that God has extended towards me, I would never withhold forgiveness towards someone else. This is what I say to people, and this is what that I have to remind myself all the time. Um, someone, so think about how you've been hurt. Chances are you've been hurt in your own life by somebody, right? If you haven't been hurt by someone um, in your own life, then you aren't around people, right? You got a people problem. If that's just not happened, right? Either that or you're passive aggressive. All right, so, right, like mom. All right, so, no one has sinned against you more than you've sinned against God. Think about that statement. Now, you make a, Brian, whoa, you don't know what they did to me. You got no idea what they did to me. No idea. No, you're right, I don't. But chances are, if we sat down 
and I lined up that person's sin compared to your sin against God, your sin would far outweigh their sin towards you. Am I right? That's true of my life. Second, second truth about this particular thing. So no one sinned against you more than, than you've sinned against God. And here's the second truth. It has not cost you more to extend forgiveness towards someone. It will not cost you more to extend forgiveness towards someone than it costs God to extend forgiveness towards you. Do you know how God extended forgiveness towards you? He sent his perfect, sinless son to die a nasty, terrible death so you could be reconciled to him. Do you think it'll ever cost you more than it costed God? What's it going to cost you? Some uncomfort? It's going to cost you some pride? We don't want to extend forgiveness because we think we're the one that should bring the wrath. God will take care of the wrath. Like, that's his. We do the work of extending forgiveness. Same forgiveness. Now, this is hard. Like, this is not something. I'm not. Listen, it's not like someone's ever wronged me, and I'm just going, I forgive you because Christ has forgiven me. Right? This is, this is a challenging thought. It's a challenging thought for me as I'm studying the Scripture and reading. I'm like, oh, this is not. This is, this is, whew, this is a terrible petition. So we, we sometimes don't understand God's forgiveness towards us. So we base our forgiveness on their worth. We don't understand God's forgiveness towards us. So a third thing, uh, we, you don't, you don't, we don't, I don't. Uh, this is probably more separate thing. You don't possess a kingdom narrative. See, some of you can't extend forgiveness towards others because you've never received forgiveness from God. You can't. Who, who has the right to say, forgive our debts as we forgive those who, 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 who are debtors. You know who's a, who has a right to say that? that? The same people who have the right to say, our Father in heaven. Our, right? Plural pronoun, our Father in heaven. This is a prayer for the people of God. And for some of you this morning, some of you need to do business with God this morning. Some of you have never received the gospel. You don't know what that looks like. You don't, you've never felt the freedom that comes with uh, a reconciliation to God. You don't know what that is. And so for me to ask you to extend forgiveness towards others would, would almost be impossible. Why? Because you're trying to pull from something that's not there. For others of you that are Christian, you're not thinking in a kingdom narrative. In this particular area of your life, you're not thinking in a kingdom narrative. Because the kingdom narrative says, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's a kingdom narrative. That's God's people. And so for some of you, you don't, you don't have that and, and you need that. See, proof, proof that you and I are forgiven. Proof that you and I are forgiven is that we forgive others. I would dare say if I meet someone who, who is bitter and angry and has an unforgiving spirit, and I have, I would dare, I would challenge their conversion. If they claim to know Christ and have an unforgiving spirit, I would challenge that. I would dig into that. I would say, I, I hear you, but the evidence of your walk in life does not say that. Let's get underneath why you're struggling with an unforgiving spirit. It may be true that they know Christ, but, but or it may not be true 
I would say, let's get underneath that. And so we have to develop a kingdom, uh, a kingdom um, narrative. Uh, so why is this important? Why is this important? Four things, and I'll close and we'll be done. Four things. So why do we not do it? Uh, because we're, we're doing it based on their worth. Uh, uh, second reason why we don't do it is because we don't understand Christ, uh, God's forgiveness towards us. Uh, third reason is you don't possess, I don't sometimes possess, you don't sometimes possess a kingdom narrative. Why is this important? Why is it important that we extend forgiveness towards others? So that we can pray this prayer with honesty. So that we can pray this prayer with honesty. Four things. For, uh, unforgiveness, this is just, this is just truth. You, maybe you see it in your life or in the life of people close to you. Unforgiveness will breed bitterness, resentment, and it will destroy you. If you live unforgiven towards others, it will only breed resentment and bitterness, and that will destroy you. If you go to the, the Mayo Clinic, right? So they're not Christian, right? They're not, you don't click on mayoclinic.com and there's a gospel presentation. But they got some stuff they, they say about an unforgiveness, kind of an unforgiven spirit. This is what they say. They say, if you, if you extend forgiveness towards others, right? Now, they give a little bit of advice on how to extend forgiveness, and I look at that advice, I'm going, man, that's great, but I of myself do not have the ability apart from Christ's salvific work on my life, to extend forgiveness based on your, your advice. I appreciate that advice, but that advice just puts a heavy burden on me that I can't carry. But this is what they say if we, if we extend forgiveness. It says you'll have healthier relationships, you'll have improved mental health, you'll have less stress, uh, anxiety, and hostility, I bet. You'll have lower blood pressure, right? You'll have lower blood pressure, uh, br- blood pressure. You'll have fewer symptoms of depression. You'll have a stronger immune system. You'll improve your heart health. You'll improve your self-esteem. This is Mayo Clinic, right? Here, here's, here's the thing about God. You know what God, the wonderful thing about um, God is God created us. And because God created us, you know what he knows? He knows what's best for our body. And our spiritual health is directly connected to our physical health. And the mayoclinic.com is telling of the truth of how God has created us, and they don't even know it. So unforgiveness will create resentment and bitterness. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy you. Second thought. Second thought. We as believers are called to closeness with one another. We're called to closeness with one another. So if you, if you, um, if you go back and look at the prayer, what, what do you notice in all the, all the, the prayer? There's a lot of uh, plural pronouns there. Our Father in heaven, right? Um, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in Give us, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven others. Lead us not uh, not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. What is that? That's a call to closeness and community with other people. And you know what I would say to you, and I just said it earlier, a call to community is a call to problems, is a call to a need to extend forgiveness towards others. And so why is it important that we get this? Because we're called to closeness. We are not called to isolation. That is not the Christian life. That will destroy you. And so we're called to closeness um, with others. Third thing, third thing, um, Jesus, we saw this in the parable and we'll see it in what I'm about to read. Jesus speaks harshly, 
harshly towards those who don't extend forgiveness. Look at, the, look at um, Matthew 6, verse 14. Matthew 6, so right below, right below the Lord's Prayer, look what he says. For, so he's going to go back to forgiveness. This is how important that it is. He goes back to it here. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. He amplifies and elevates the need to extend forgiveness towards others. This is the gospel narrative. Truth of the Bible. Truth of the Bible. So he speaks harshly. And here's the final thought, and I think one of the most important thoughts, and then I'll pray and we'll be done. Fourth thing, when we extend forgiveness towards others, right, so we can rightly pray this, when we do this, we clearly picture the gospel. We give a visual, tangible picture to the gospel of people around us. Do you know that for some of your coworkers, some of your spouses, friends, co-mates, uh, people that you're at a restaurant with, uh, family members, extended family members, all these types of people. Do you know that in a lot of ways, you may be, and you, you probably know this, you're probably the first picture of the gospel to them. They're not going to pick up a Bible. They're not going to come to church with you on Sunday. Now, we pray towards that end. We pray that they would receive the gospel, that they would hear that with clarity. We pray towards that end, but, but it may start out that you're the clearest picture of the gospel to them. And when we as God's people extend forgiveness when it, when it makes no sense, when they, haven't, when they haven't even begged for our forgiveness, do you know what we do? We say, we, we picture to them and say to them, there is a God in heaven who will forgive you your sins and debts. And I have the ability to do this because he's extended it towards me. We picture the gospel. This is what God's people do. We picture it every day. We picture it every day. So here's the question, and the band can head on up, and I'll, I'll pray. Here, here's the question. Um, does the state, so as you, think about, as you think about your heart, does the state of your heart regarding forgiveness, does it indicate grace or not? Does the state of your heart, as you think about forgiveness, does it indicate grace or not? Just think about it, right? You don't have to answer that out loud. You, you know you. You know your relationships with people. Does it indicate forgiveness or does it indicate grace or not? And then, and then here's the second question that I think God's people have to deal with this morning. Have you, have you, unlike God, have you, unlike God, so not like God, refused to extend forgiveness towards someone who's hurt you? If that's true of you, then you need to do business with God this morning. And then you need to walk out of this place. And you need to do business with whoever it is that you need to do business with. Why? Because they're worth it? No. No. No, not because they're worth it. But, but because God has extended it towards you. Because it clearly pictures the gospel. Because you were wired to extend forgiveness to others for the good of you and for the glory of God. Now, I, I want to close this morning. Um, so the last couple of weeks, 
uh, you've been praying, uh, we've been praying uh, the Lord's Prayer together as God's people. Uh, and so I think it's going to come up on the screen for you uh, up there. So as we're doing the two and days of prayer, we're going to pray this together. And so we're going to do this um, in unison. So this is the crowd participation part of the sermon uh, here at the end. And so uh, for some of you, uh, for some of you, you, you may not be ready to pray this this morning. For some of you, it may be a dangerous thing for you to pray this, right? But we're going to pray this as God's people uh, together. And so I, I'm trusting you this morning that this is going to be a beautiful unison of voices together. Are, are we ready? Is it up there? Okay. Uh, you can skip in this manner part. So I don't want to start at the in this. I don't want to start down there and you're in this manner. It just gets weird. And then we'll have to start over. So I'm going to clearly tell you, don't do that. Everyone good with that? All right, let's do this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let me pray for us this morning. God, we love you. Thank you that you... Um, that you have freely, um, through your Son, extended forgiveness towards us. And so, God, would you help us to, um, to realize this truth and realize this idea that, that each day um, there's a real potential for the opportunity to picture the gospel. That just not, not in terms of how we extend forgiveness towards others, but are we generous, are we kind, um, how, how do we interact with people uh, in the store, how do we interact with our kids? How do we interact with our friends? How do we interact with our spouses? God, these are all opportunities to picture the gospel well. And so will you help us in this? God, would the Holy Spirit, would he give us clarity and discernment? Would there be um, moments in our day where the Holy Spirit would clearly speak to us and that we would have an awareness of his presence, of his kindness towards us? God, may we be a congregation in this city that not just speaks the truth, but lives the truth. That we not collectively as a church do um, acts of service in our community and provide programs for kids and, and provide all the things that we do collectively, but would we as individuals have a kingdom and gospel narrative that in our homes, on our streets, at the playground, at the grocery store, at the coffee shop, at the laundromat, wherever we are, God, help us picture your gospel well. God, we love you. We trust you. If we don't trust you, help us to trust you more. Pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.